Percy, you're too young to remember the old Dragnet TV show, aren't you, where Jack Webb would always say, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. <laughs> Why is that so important? Oh, man, Wayne, you took me way back into the time machine, my friend. Oh, so you did watch it. Man, I, my mom, I used to watch all of those TV shows with my mom and talk about great TV. But I remember that show very well. But, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think the point of Jack Webb's comments as a detective was simply to cut through the minutia of emotions and et cetera, to just basically understand what and why a scenario played out as it did. Mm-hmm. I think the same thought applies to the conversation regarding men and prostate cancer. Let's talk about it today. All right. We'll be joined by a doctor who will tell us about the facts of prostate cancer. The following program is produced and sponsored by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. And welcome, everyone. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Percy McRae. Reverend McRae is National Director of Specialized Outreach at City of Hope, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Uh, Percy, here we are. It's a special month, isn't it? It is. It's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. And of course, we wanted to do some things and some shows that would basically highlight that conversation, that topic. And um, so this will be one of two shows that we'll have that will basically give us information around this this disease and, and what to understand about it. So tell us about the guest we're going to meet today, Percy. Well, we're going to hear from uh, an oncologist who's going to help us understand. Uh, he works at City of Hope Atlanta, uh, Dr. Bami DeLay. And he's going to help us understand, again, just the facts about prostate cancer that every man should be made aware of. Yeah. Do you find that men are a little reticent to talk about this? Yes, sir, they are indeed. And again, this is one of the main reasons why we're doing this, because this is such as we'll get into uh, the conversation, we'll hear about the uh, the statistics, particularly around survivability. The, the numbers are high. And so if we can just get men to be more open to receiving the information and being receptive to this conversation, uh, it really can make a huge difference with regard to survivorship. Okay. Well, we're going to get to the interview you had with the doctor in just a few moments, but let's open with a passage from God's Word that you've picked out that kind of sets us in the right direction here today. Yep. So our uh, spiritual nugget today is found in uh, the book of James, uh, chapter one, verse five, and basically simply says this. If any of you lack wisdom, understanding, information, etc., let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. Today, I want to underscore the word men because we're talking about a disease that particularly uh, attacks men. If if you're lacking understanding, wisdom, according to this text, uh, let's ask God. And as we ask God, he's going to send us information via people and instruments that will inform us accordingly. And that's going to be the conversation for today. Yeah, thank you for that. Now, I also want to mention our resource, which is available, our featured resource at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. It's called Cancer Symptoms and Causes. That's available to you right now, even as you listen to the podcast. Cancer Symptoms and Causes, available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope with locations from coast to coast. Their team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals. There are graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, volunteers, and support staff, 
all united by their desire to find cures and save lives. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. This national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. So visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on Sponsor to learn more about City of Hope, or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-4673. City of Hope uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, this will be a very factual, a very informed conversation now with our guest here is Percy. Well, hey, 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 it's me, Pastor P, and I am back again with another compelling conversation. And today we're going to talk with a fantastic doctor. I love doctors. I love talking to doctors. I love learning from doctors. And we have one of the best in the business. Uh, He works at City of Hope Hospitals in Atlanta. Uh, His name is Dr. Bami DeLay Anderson Loye, and he is uh, a practicing uh, physician. Uh, he's been practicing since 2012. He works at City of Hope, and he's been there, Atlanta, since 2019. He is a board-certified medical oncologist and hematologist, and today we're going to talk about prostate cancer. Of course, this is uh, in honor of Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, and we're going to learn some things today. Welcome to the show, Doc. How you doing, my friend? Thank you very much. I'm doing very well today. How are you doing? I'm I'm well, and and I know that you've had a long day. This is kind of the end of the day when we're recording here, so thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule of, of helping and making uh, the lives of cancer patients better, and so thank you for your time. With that being yeah. said, again, this is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month at the time of this recording, uh, and I want to ask some questions around prostate cancer and get some some understanding about some things that maybe people may understand or may not understand, starting first with what exactly is prostate cancer, doctor? Okay. I think the first thing to do is to explain what is prostate gland itself. Okay. And the prostate gland is actually a walnut-sized uh, gland organ that is located between the bladder and the penis inside your body. And its job is actually to produce semen that nourishes the uh, sperm. Okay. Uh, so that's the job of the prostate gland itself. Now, as you know, cancer can happen in any other any organ in the body. Right. So the cancer that starts from the prostate gland is called prostate cancer. So with that, when we hear that, and again, this is not a conversation that men like to have and certainly don't want to hear at the end of the day, and I think it's important when we understand that dynamic, uh, what are some of the relevant data associated uh, about prostate cancer that people should understand and certainly men should understand? Just give us some numbers, some data, some facts, and some figures, if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, according to uh, uh, the American Cancer Society, uh, obviously this year alone, it's been estimated at least almost 288,000 men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer mm. just in the United States alone. Wow. And out of this, about 34,700 will die from the disease. 
So this is a very big healthcare issue. Yeah. And uh, at any point in time, about 3.1 million uh, men live with prostate cancer. Okay. So this is a big, huge health problem. One thing we also have to realize is the fact that there's a health disparity when it comes to prostate cancer uh, incidence. In the sense that African-American men are more likely to develop prostate cancer mm. compared to their white counterpart. Okay. Now, having said that, Doc, um, and, and with the little information, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on TV, so that's why you're here. <laughs> In hearing those numbers, the other side of the coin and the equation is that prostate cancer is one of the more treatable and has a high survivability from a five-year relative survival rate. Let's talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Oh, sure, sure. So, you know, it depends on when the prostate cancer is diagnosed. Uh, if it's diagnosed very early, what do I mean by early? That is, the cancer is still located in the prostate gland. Yeah. In fact, if you treat those patients surgically or with radiation, you can actually have a five-year survivor over 90%. Wow, that's okay. Yeah. However, if the disease is caught late, when it's already metastasized, what do I mean by metastasis? That is that spread to other places, mm -hmm. like the bones, uh, the lymph node, the organs. Then you may have a survivor, a five-year survivor, in the 30, 30%, 31%. Mm. So the early, this is one of the disease where early diagnosis actually helps survivor. Yeah. And with that, what what are some of the uh, numbers around? Is there a common age associated typically when men are dealing with prostate cancer? Uh, one of the things we have to think about is what are the risks of prostate cancer? Yeah. And one of the biggest risks for prostate cancer is age. Okay. Because six out of 10 men that are diagnosed with prostate cancer are actually age 65 or older. Ah. So this is a disease that's commoner among the older people. Okay. Uh, secondly, uh, when you look at the disease itself, uh, if you have a family member, a blood relative, like a brother, a father with prostate cancer, mm -hmm. they are two times more likely to be diagnosed with prostate cancer. Ah, okay. okay. Interesting. And then lastly, we know about some genes. Uh, one of them is called the BRCA mutation, uh, which can also increase your risk for prostate cancer and even breast cancer in men. Uh, so those are some of the numbers, some of the risk factors that we do know about uh, uh, prostate cancer. Okay, and that's good to know. And I, 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 I'm not sure if people really knew that. I know that I've been, I've traveled, you know, I've worked within this organization now close to three decades. I'm a cancer survivor myself, not uh, prostate cancer, but early stage one colon cancer patient. And I know, and you alluded to it early, earlier with regard to uh, catching and, and diagnosing this disease as early as possible. Let's talk about that in terms of prostate cancer and screening and how important it is and what are the screening methodologies that people and men should be aware of and begin to pay attention to. Okay. So when it comes to screening, uh, there's several uh, societies uh, within the United States that make their recommendations. Uh, the one I use the most is the NCCN, which is called the National Comprehensive Cancer Network. Okay. Most oncologists subscribe to NCCN, NCCN. And what do they say? They divide uh, men into about two groups. We have the average risk men and we have the high risk men. Okay. So uh, 
Who are the high-risk uh, group of men? African-Americans are considered high-risk. Hmm. Men with family history of prostate cancer are considered high-risk. Men with genetic mutation, just like the one I told you about, the BRCA mutation, yes. are considered high-risk. Those men are supposed to start screening at the age of 40. Ah, okay. Now, for every other man that we consider average risk men, those who can start screening at the age of 45. Okay. Okay, so high risk men at the age of 40 and average risk men at the age of 45. Okay. And what are the methods of screening? PSA, which is the prostatic specific antigen. Okay. okay. Yep. Now, how do we do that? It's a blood test. So it's, it's, a, blood, blood, it's a blood draw. It's a blood draw. It's, correct. Correct. You take the blood and then you check the level. Okay. And you're supposed to do this test about one to two years. Every one to two years. Okay. If you are in the high risk category. Now, if you're in the average risk category, you could actually do the do the blood test every two to four years. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good to okay. know. Now, other thing that you could do is call the Digital rectal examination, which and, most men don't like that. Right. And so and right there, Doc, that's where that's where most men say, stop the bus right here. I'm getting off right here, Doc. Help us out. Yeah. Talk to us. So honestly, we don't actually do that as a standalone test. Uh, the PSA is still more or less the one we rely the most on. The rectal examination using your finger is a supportive test that you should do. You may want to do it along with the PSA, but we don't recommend that you should do that as a standalone. Just because, as you know, the finger is very subjective. Yeah, You can stick your finger there and be very, very confident that you actually diagnose prostate cancer. And, and I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's important. I know that when I talk to men, and even again, as, as a, um, again, a colorectal cancer patient, uh, I've had many men, I'm going now on my fifth year, thank God, and with no evidence of disease. But I've had right. many men and my friends that have asked me, well, what what did you have to do to, you know, to find out if you had, you know, you know, colon cancer? And I told them, I said, I got scoped. Oh, and and the average man and, and the same I know is true with regard to the idea of a digital rectal examination. Literally, many of them jumped out of their shoes, doc. They were like, listen, nope, can't do that. Not going down that road. So I appreciate you sharing that that is not necessarily recommended as a standalone screening yeah. and that, you know, the PSA is still kind of your standard, you know, screening that, 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 that you can take. So I appreciate the clarity with regard to that. And I hope men are listening today so that they, they're not running from their doctor, but they're, they're running to their doctor at the end of the day. <laughs> um, that being said, you know, let's talk about, you know, let's get to the point where, okay, You've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. It's a reality. It's been confirmed. You've had the pathology report, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk about some treatment options about prostate and for prostate cancer. Some things. Are there some, first of all, are there some new things uh, available to us on the horizon? We can certainly talk about standard treatments of care. Uh, provide us with some insight and some education around treatment for prostate cancer, my friend. Very good. So uh, obviously the treatment depends on the stage of the disease. Okay. For early stage disease, in fact, we divide those ones into three groups. We have the low risk, intermediate risk, and high risk okay. disease, if it's still localized in the prostate. Uh, for low risk cases, in fact, we can put you on observation. 
which we call active surveillance. Okay. Well, you don't even need a treatment at this time. We just observe you every year, get a biopsy, get your PSA. As long as there's no evidence of progression of the cancer, you can remain on observation. And Doc, right. if I can cut in right here, do you have like a, a a scale or reading from, say, the PSA that establishes where that threshold is? That's a very good question. We do most of the time we do use the uh, the Gleason score. The Gleason score is what the pathology sees when you uh, they look at the slide, the biopsy slide. Yeah. And then we, based on that, we have two scores. Uh, we have the primary score and the secondary score, okay. and we have those two together. If that is six, that is three plus three equals six, and then we call that a low-risk disease. Okay, got it. You also look at the PSA as well. Okay. Uh, but the main one is the Gleason score. So if the Gleason score is six, we say that's a low risk. Got it. If the Gleason score is seven, we call that intermediate risk. And if the Gleason score is eight, nine, or 10, we call those ones high risk. Okay. Okay. So for low risk, we can actually do uh, active surveillance. Okay. And for intermediate risk, that's when the treatments may start. And what are the treatments that we can offer a patient with intermediate or high risk disease? We can either do surgery, which is surgically removing the prostate gland along with the prostate cancer, mm-hmm. okay? Or we could do radiation. Okay. And, now, there, some- and, and Doc, if I can cut in, I, sure. I am familiar with the fact that there, there have been a couple of different type of radiation pathways to be utilized to treat prostate cancer. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Give us a couple of examples of some of the different, I know, like uh, brachytherapy. Yes. Uh, thank you for asking that question. So uh, there's something called, which we call uh, the LDR, low dose uh, uh, rate, uh, radiation therapy, which right. is brachytherapy. Uh, this is where they put the permanent seed into the prostate gland. Yep. And that seed releases radiation over time to kill the cancer. Okay. Uh, so we used to do that for at least maybe low-risk disease that we think they need treatment. We don't want to do observation. We don't want to do active surveillance. Now, another type of radiation is called the HDR, right. which is the high-dose rate uh, radiation therapy. So that one is not a permanent seed. It's actually a temporary seed. You leave it there for a few minutes and you take it out. Okay. okay. So that one is HDR brachytherapy. Got it. And then lastly, we have the external beam radiation therapy. Yep. And that one is where the patient lay down and the radiation beam is pa- pass, passes through the skin all the way into the prostate gland. Okay. And that one is done over several weeks. Okay. So small doses, Mondays to Fridays for up to about five to six weeks. Gotcha. Okay. So that's radiation therapy. Okay. What's next, Doc? What you got for me next? So that's radiation. And then the next thing is hormone therapy. And this is what men don't like most of the time because mm-hmm. this one, the goal is to reduce the testosterone down yeah because as you know testosterone feeds prostate cancer yeah so by reducing the testosterone we're actually starving the cancer uh, but at the same time when you get it hormone therapy that lowers your testosterone it may make you have all flashes as if you're going through menopause yeah yeah i have a friend of mine i have two friends of mine one is a pastor and one is a personal friend of mine from years ago and very quickly uh the pastor friend called me he was doing hormonal therapy and he said Brother Percy, I'm never going to laugh at women again when they tell me that they're having a hot flash. I know now what that feels like. There's nothing to laugh about. So you're exactly no, right. Not, not at all. Not at all. And the other thing which most men don't like, especially young men don't like, is uh, uh, low sex drive, yeah. low libido. 
Yeah. Because no testosterone, then no sex drive. Right, right. Fatigue and weight gain, also possible with uh, uh, the hormone therapy. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. All right, let's uh, roll. Do we have, how about some, um, is there anything along the lines of immunotherapy? I think I've heard something along the lines of cryotherapy. Talk to me a little bit about anything relative to those uh, areas. Sure. So cryotherapy is a relatively new uh, form of treatment for localized prostate cancer. It's not vastly adopted right now. Okay. But it's one of the, that's one of those things that we can still do, uh, cryotherapy for prostate cancer. Okay. Now, when it comes to some other uh, systemic therapy, which we call them like medication, those are purely for advanced prostate cancer. When I mean advanced, I mean prostate cancer that's spread to other places. Oh, okay. So when we talk about immunotherapy, there's one that's been approved for uh, prostate cancer, which is called Keytruder. Uh, okay. We can give that to patients with prostate cancer, but there's some things we have to see in the testing to make that patient qualify for uh, immunotherapy. Okay. Okay. There's another one which is called Provent, which is like a cancer vac- vaccine, also approved for prostate cancer, which is metastasized. That one is also another available therapy. Then we shouldn't forget the old, tested, well-known chemotherapy. Okay. Uh, so possible to give chemotherapy for prostate cancer. Okay. Okay. And there are several tablets as well. Okay. Well, the, yeah, the great advent, obviously, of chemotherapy is now being able to take it orally, which uh, now has has become you know pretty popular way to 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 take and receive uh, chemotherapy. That's that. All of that was helpful, Doc, and I pray that again. Uh, someone is listening, ha- has a better sense of at least what's available from a treatment perspective, uh, depending on, uh, you know, what stage and, and, and how soon uh, they've been diagnosed. You, you've been doing this a while, Doc, and, and, and you're working with, uh, you know, a delicate conversation for men for all of the reasons that you've just articulated. I'm curious, and uh, with the few minutes that we have, you know, what motivated you to become, I always like to know what motivates doctors to become doctors. I don't think that I could be a doctor, but I have people who tell me all the time, I don't think I could be a pastor, so I get it. What was your motivation for being a physician? And then in your closing statements, what keeps you motivated? Because there are days you have to give bad information to men. You have yeah. to give, you know, it's, it's you have to give some tough news to people. What motivated you to become a physician and what keeps you hopeful at the end of the day with the work that you do, my friend? That's a very good question there. You know, I, as a child, I was a patient myself. I know I was, I stayed in the hospital for about uh, almost a week. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, I, I saw the way the doctors, the nurses attended to me. Mm. That was very impressive. And I felt, as a young child, I said, you know what? I have to be a doctor as well because I want to help people as well. Yeah. Just like yeah. these doctors, these nurses helped me to survive. So that was very emotional and very moving for me, even at that young age. Now, when I look at cancer generally and prostate cancer specifically, I look back 20 years ago when we didn't have a lot of drugs. Yes. We only at that time, that was when the first chemo was approved, that was at least just some effect, effectiveness in prostate cancer. That was Ducitaxel. Mm. We didn't have much at that time. Right. But now, fast forward to 20 years now, we have drugs approved nearly every year. It's amazing. Every, every six months, we have a drug approved. So that gives me hope. Mm. So now there are drugs that we can use for this patient. I mean, as you know, this is a marathon. <laughs> when it comes to prostate cancer, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. So the more opportunities you have, the more drugs you can have, you can give to this patient, the more you can prolong their survival. 
Well, Doc, I, I know you're busy, and I know you have a lot to do, and I thank you so much. First of all, you're gracious, uh, you're kind, and obviously you're, you're, you're highly uh, well-versed in, in your field. And, and I just want to read as a closing remark, because uh, I, I, I looked up your bio, and, I, and this is what I extrapolated from your bio, and I want people to hear this. It says, uh, from you, end quote, I am focused on delivering patient-centered care. I truly get to know my patients by working with them throughout their cancer journey. I am with them every step of the way from coordinating diagnosis to implementing uh, the treatment plan, monitoring their progress and celebrating their survivorship. That's ca- that came from you, Doc. And I want people to hear your heart and I want to salute you. I want to thank you for the work that you do and thank you for your commitment. Uh, and today, folks, you have heard uh, from Dr. Bami Delay uh, Addison Loye, who is a medical oncologist and hematologist, board certified. He's been practicing medicine for quite a while, and he's been at City of Hope Atlanta uh, since 2019. And we are grateful and privileged to have you. So, my friend, I continue to pray for your hands, your head, and your heart as you continue to serve our patients every day. Thank you for being on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Thank you so much. God bless. It is so great to have experts like the good doctor to join us here and to uh, relay this important information to all of us. We'll talk more with Percy about their conversation in just a moment. Ever wanted to find answers to your cancer-related questions? With City of Hope for Alexa, now you can. The Cancer Center for Alexa Skill is a voice-activated question and answer tool empowering users to ask Alexa questions they may have about cancer or services available at City of Hope. The skill can answer over 800 questions on more than 40 different cancer types, symptoms, risk factors, and treatment options. To access this tool, you or anyone you support can simply say, Alexa, enable Cancer Center to any Amazon device. And you can also access this tool on any smartphone by downloading the Alexa app. Well, Percy, I was intrigued by that conversation. So many good things to know there from uh, Dr. Bami Delay Adasunleye, right? Am I close? That is, that, Am I close? That was good. That was oh, really not, good. Not that was first, better than... first try, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while the first time, too. What a so beautiful that, name, that though. Perfect. Love it. Yeah, it is. And, and, and what a great conversation. And what I, I appreciated about this discussion so much is the ability to kind of have some, some, some direct definitions, explanations about screenings, uh, diagnosis, and treatment options for prostate cancer. And, you know, we learned what the prostate gland mm-hmm. is and what it yeah. does. I'm not really sure if many men no. really know that no, information. No, we, we don't ask those questions, honest. do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, man, we, we don't need to have that conversation. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, as we laugh, we do need to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. We really do. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to me, Wayne, that uh, and I just want to recap a couple of important things that, you know, we learned that 288,000 men will be diagnosed with this disease this year. And almost 35,000 men will die from a disease that if is diagnosed early, has a five year survivability rate of over. 90 percent. That's encouraging. Over. Yeah, that, that's great. It really is. But those numbers, 288,000 men diagnosed, um, that just confirms what I've been thinking about. And that is that it touches all of us. And I mean, who among us doesn't know someone who suffers from this? 
Well, the only way that many of us don't know is because there's probably some men in our life, to be perfectly honest and candid, and I want to be frank here, who probably has never shared that information, uh, so they kept it to themselves. True, yeah. So that so it's probably more men than we realized that actually has gone through a battle of, of prostate cancer, but they didn't talk about it. They didn't share that information with mm-hmm. anyone. And that is the point of this conversation and for Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. We've got to have this conversation and we need to have this conversation. Yeah. Okay, what else did we learn from the doctor? Well, we also learned, and so as, as, as excited as I am about the five-year survivability rate, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if this disease is, is diagnosed late, and then has metastasized, the survivability rate dramatically drops to about 30 to 35%. So that's a huge gap, Wayne, when we talk about north of 90% if caught early. Mm -hmm. That means we need to do some screenings. But if we don't, we don't have the conversation, we don't see our doctor, we don't follow through with anything, then that drops to 30 or 35% if we then have been diagnosed with prostate cancer, but it's in later stage, or it has metastasized and moved to another part of the body. That's a big percentage drop that we just can't afford to let that happen to us as men. We can't. No, and it speaks to the fact that, you know, we're so reticent as men to go for that kind of test or any sort of physical test at all because we're afraid of what we might find out. But in fact, if we find out early enough, the survivability increases dramatically. It's it's stunning when we sit and look at that. And so on that note, you know, we we talked about screenings. Yes, men, we must be screened. And we were told that, you know, we need to start looking at around the age of 40 to 45 years of age where we start doing screenings. And what I was educated about, interestingly enough, is that, of course, uh, the the primary uh, screening is doing a PSA, which is a prostate specific antigen mm-hmm. blood draw, mm-hmm. where you just simply get, you know you get yeah, your it's blood very drawn. Simple. Come right. on, guys. Yeah. yeah, we can do that, fellas. We can do that. That's easy peasy, no big mm-hmm. deal. And of course, you know, depending on what comes out of that, we may uh, also need to uh, do what is called DRE or digital rectal examination, and that's where men get a little shaky, and understandably so. But I learned something interesting from the doctor is that this is not necessarily recommended to be done as a standalone exam. And so when we understand, you know, recommended ages to start screening between ages of 40 and 45, we can do a blood draw. And he says that can be done once a year, basically, more or less. Uh, We can do that. We can make that happen. And we just need to be uh, open to the idea of this and make sure that if we if we are aware of the benefits of this, it is motivation to make this happen and do that on a consistent yeah. basis. It was a bit surprising to me to learn how common this is. Well, you know, the, it's it's amazing when you sit and think about it. It's one of the most common cancers among men, obviously, and according to the CDC, you know, it's the fifth leading cause of death from cancer in men. So we need to take this really, right. really, really yeah. seriously and understand at the end of the day, it, it may be uncomfortable to have a discussion and think about the ramifications of it. But again, like the old, uh, uh, used to be an oil uh, filter commercial that used to say, you know, you can pay me now <laughs> or you can pay yeah, me later. True. But when yeah. you pay me later, you always pay yeah. more. You always yeah. pay more. And it was helpful to learn about the different treatment options available too today. So, boy, thank you for this conversation, bringing uh, this to us today. Now, uh, this is uh, Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. So, Next time, we're going to hear more on this topic, right? We are. We're going to talk to some individuals who are working in the in the field of community education, uh, 
working with a grant and a, and a coalition, and we're going to hear some very uh, important things specific to prostate cancer and how it also there are some disparities with regard to certain segments of our community as well. All right. That's next time on our podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. So if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do that either through our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, or with Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you get this podcast. Hit the subscription button, and then you'll automatically receive the podcast. and won't have to go looking for it to see if it's been released yet. So that's a great, uh, great help to us when you do that as well. Now, one more time, let's mention our free resource this month, Cancer Symptoms and Causes, Percy. Absolutely. And this uh, resource was created to, to talk about exactly what we've just discussed theoretically and philosophically. This resource is not speaking specifically about prostate cancer, but is talking about the overall conversation about considering and being mindful of certain symptoms and causes of cancer so that we then can have that top of mind so that we're not caught off guard. I remember very vividly the day when it was clear to me something was wrong from an intestinal tract perspective as I was traveling and I knew something was amiss. Mm -hmm. I went to a GI, I asked to be scoped and sure enough, they found a golf ball sized tumor in on the left side of my, of my colon and we had that removed. But had I not followed that and not understood some symptoms that could possibly be associated with cancer, uh, I would have just kind of blown that off. And what my GI and my surgical doctor told me, they said, had you waited another two or three months, we may have had a very wow. different conversation wow. than the one that we're having today. And that ended up being that I just simply needed surgery. I never had chemotherapy. I never had radiation. And here I am at the time of this recording going on my fifth year mm -hmm. of survivorship. And thank God that we caught that early because I knew and understood some symptoms and some causes. So this resource is written to kind of make that top of mind so that we don't ignore or be ignorant of certain things that could potentially be happening and we may need to go have a conversation with a doctor as soon as yeah, possible. Yeah, we're so glad that you were bold in seeking that uh, that test and got that treatment, Percy. Well, it's called Cancer Symptoms and Causes. It's available. It's free, of course, as all our resources are at the website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. All right, let's return to God's Word for some inspiration and conclusion. Well, we started out, you know, having fun about Jack Webb and Dragnet, who basically would always say in every episode, just the facts, yeah. ma'am, just the yeah. facts. But the fact of the matter is that we need facts and we need information and we need wisdom. And so listen to James 1 and 5 again. If any of you or any of us lack wisdom or understanding or facts about something, we should ask of God. And what will God do? It says that he will give to all men liberally and all people in general. Today, uh, if you are needing information, part of today's conversation is an answer from God in providing you wisdom, knowledge, and facts about prostate cancer. Do not ignore them. Be mindful and keep them close to you. It may very well save your life at the end of the day. And we thank God for this spiritual nugget of a reminder that if we need wisdom, then let's ask for it and God will send it to yeah, us. Amen. All right. Well, let's not miss the next episode during this Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. That next episode comes to you in a week or so here. I'm Wayne Shepard with Reverend Percy McRae, who always has an assignment for us in conclusion. Well, while we're getting the facts, remember, that's a lot of work. So we still have work to do. So let's keep chopping the wood. God bless, and I'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration.
Hope and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Our hospitals in California, Georgia, Illinois, and Arizona are dedicated to making a difference in the lives of cancer patients. Our team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, and volunteers and support staff, all united by our desire to find cures and save lives. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies like spiritual support that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. Our national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.